This podcast is for educational purposes only and provides general home lending information. For specific home lending advice about your circumstances, contact a Chase Home Lending Advisor for more information. For more information on the various home buying resources mentioned in this podcast, please visit chase.com forward slash affordable. Hey, I'm Nadeska, and this is season two of Beginner to Buyer. Beginner to Buyer is powered by Chase Home Lending. You can get lots of helpful tools and resources to buy your first home by visiting beginnertobuyer.com. Hopefully by this point, we've given you a much better understanding of market conditions and how interest rates are gonna factor into your financing choices. Since so much of the process is driven by financial considerations, you need to have people on your side who you can trust to help you make the best decisions. But since we're used to doing everything online these days, it can be really easy to overlook the importance of building those strong relationships. It's something our recent home buyer knows a lot about. My name is Joe Carlson. I'm a software engineer and I just bought a house in St. Paul, Minnesota. Joe, congratulations on the new house. How's it been so far? Oh, so good. And thank you so much. Clearly um, from your job, I can tell that you're a very tech savvy person. So Once you decided to start looking for a home, did you start searching online or did you immediately reach out to a realtor? Pre-realtor, it was all on like Redfin and Zillow, just like kind of scoping the market out. And a lot of times it was just like me walking around the neighborhood and just like seeing what homes are worth. Um, From like my perspective, I just like didn't really have, I didn't know what like square footage meant or even what like homes value really was. Um, so just trying to like get a feel for things and kind of just looking around online for kind of what I like and don't like and what's reasonable um, was kind of how it got started. You're actually the first home buyer I've met who just walked around the neighborhood uh, scouting. I like that. So you attacked from all angles, basically. I mean, what even <laughs> <I guess> so. <laughs> what even led you to wanting um, to purchase your first home? What was your living situation prior to this? Mm, I've been I've been renting my whole life. Um with roommates until recently, um, but I've been living alone for the last two years in an apartment building. Uh, I love like decorating and interior design, like fixing things up. I'm very like hands-on with whatever. Um, and I was feeling I was reaching the limits of what I could do for customizing my apartment spaces. Um, landlords don't like you painting or drilling holes in the wall or knocking walls down or redoing the, and like, and not that I want to like improve the value of my landlord's property while I get nothing out of it either. So um, I was just feeling like I wanted to do more of it. And I had heard too, like homes can be like, if you want to do investments, you can invest other ways if you don't like doing home fix up projects. But I do, I do like that. And I'm also investing in it. So it's a win-win. So yeah. Home improvement projects are amazing. I think there are a lot of fun personally, but I know not everybody feels that way. Um, So once you started looking around, seeing the value of homes, understanding square footage, uh, tell me about the list of things that you came up with that you needed to have in a house and things that you were maybe willing to compromise on. Early on, I was kind of flexible. I was thinking maybe a duplex, maybe I'd rent out the lower half to somebody. And then it was kind of like flexible on styles and locations, Um, like neighborhood specific styles, like mid-century or a Tudor, like a storybook home or whatever. I was like kind of open to it. Um, I wanted to explore them more. Um, But like things like I knew I wanted laundry. I knew I wanted a garage. I knew I needed a space for a home office. Um, And then I also was like looking for a yard to do like some gardening. I just have never had a plot of soil before. Um, And then I also had like some nice to haves. For me, I put the list together to help communicate to my realtor what I was looking for in a home. 
I'm sure that was super helpful for the realtor, you know, because I'm sure, you know, a lot of buyers are still trying to kind of figure out on the go what they want, which is challenging. So once you had that list, you communicated that to the realtor. Tell me a little bit about that relationship. Did you find your realtor to be super helpful during the process? My mother told me that it should be very important to get a realtor that's like has a lot of experience having her connections for like kitchen designers, um, you know, remodelers, contractors in the area. Um, and even getting this house, I was able to get it pre-market due to her connections. Really? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. That's a huge one. Yeah, having recommendations for things like contractors is important. I think in any city in America, that can be a super challenging situation. So your realtor definitely hooked you up. I'm happy to hear that. Um, mm. And tell me about, not so your parents, uh, mm. were they advising you throughout this entire process? Did you lean on them early on? I did. Yeah. I have a sister too, who is extremely helpful. Uh, but my parents were both helpful. Um, I don't know. My mom used to work as a like office manager for a, uh, a local realty company. Um, so she like knew a lot about the business, how it works kind of behind the scenes. And she was really helpful for like kind of helping me with that. My dad's really helpful for like the practical dad stuff, like building or whatever, you know, like foundations and yards and grading or whatever. And my sister was just helpful because like, I think she gets the kind of vibe I was, I was looking for in a home too. Okay. So you had a really strong team behind you. Basically the entire family gave input uh, plus you had your realtor. So then how many places did you actually look at before you decided that you found the one? Yeah. I'm trying to think because like we probably went house hunting with my realtor three times. Um, and I think each time we probably saw five homes, probably 15 to 20 homes we looked at before we actually, um, before I made an offer on one, there was a couple I thought about making an offer on and my realtor actually talked me out of it. Um, uh, people, this is podcasting is hard to convey this. I'm six, two and just like a big man. Um, and a lot of the homes we're looking at just like I was in the like the second story, like hunched over, you know, scrunching my shoulders together, trying to fit. She's like, "You just like don't fit in this home. It's probably, probably not." I'm surprised that she had to tell you that. Did you not feel uncomfortable? Your shoulders weren't starting to hurt at some point. I mean, I was. I know, but that's the thing. Like, you tour a home for like ten minutes, and you're like, "This is fine," but like fifteen years from now, am I gonna still be like, "I'm gonna have a permanent hunch"? Is that still gonna be fine? Probably not. Um. So like after that we decided to start looking for bigger, like taller homes where I could like physically fit in the space better. Um, but that was helpful. I don't, like, that's something you don't get from looking online. Okay. So I'm glad you found somewhere where you could actually stand up straight every day while taking a shower. You actually had an experience that not a lot of uh, first time buyers do. You got to meet the previous owners, didn't you? What was that like? Yeah. Is that rare? I didn't even know that was rare. Yeah, in some cases, like I've had an awkward experience where I've gone to tour house and the previous owner was actually on site following me around. I find that to be very uncomfortable. But oh, a lot of times, weird. yeah, a lot of times you don't necessarily have interactions with them until a closing table. But sometimes, like in your case, of course, that can be different. So why did yeah. you end up meeting them? Okay, that makes it reminds me, my realtor told me when we were touring homes that like you shouldn't say anything like in the home, because a lot of homes these days have cameras. So it's like they're digitally following you around, even if they're not physically there. Um, no, it was, I met them. My realtor asked if I wanted to. And I was like, do I? And I was like, yeah, I do. Um, so we met with them uh, on the day I closed. Um, they took me on a tour of the home. And it was really great. So I asked them, like, what's the neighborhood like? I wanted to know all the gossip and tea about the neighborhood and the neighbors. 
um, like who's this person, who's that. So I made a list of like the names of the neighbors um, and like what their what their vibe was like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Smart. Um, I wanted I wanted recommendations for like local bars, grocery stores, pizza delivery places, Chinese food. You know what I mean? Like what places do they recommend in the neighborhood I should check out? I think that's just nice in general. That's a good energy to enter a new home with, right? Because this is somewhere yeah. you want to spend a lot of time. So I'm sure at some point you had to work with a, a mortgage lender. What yeah. was their role in this process? Like, how did they help you get ready for this? Yeah, they were, I mean, a lot of the math numbers and like loan stuff I didn't understand. So it was a lot of me Googling and asking dumb questions. Um, <laughs> no I had a lot of phone thing. calls. I know. Yeah, that, And they were good about that. I think like a good realtor or mortgage loan officer shouldn't make you feel stupid for yeah. asking dumb questions about their job, right? Um, or about what you're doing. Because, I mean, this is the largest purchase I've ever made and likely will make in the near future. Um, and, like, I wanted to make sure I understood fully what this I, – I, I didn't want to take it lightly. So tell me, Joe, then, what, in your own words, what does home ownership really do to you? Mm-hmm. Home is where the heart is. I don't know. I <laughs> I live alone. I don't have a family here. It's – um I don't know. I, I feel like home for me is, like, a community. So it's been important to me to get to know my neighbors, um, helping them, you know, with their yard work or homework or whatever. It is helpful. I, I don't want to be a shut in and I want to be like a contributing member of this community. You know? <laughs> okay, good. You're building the community. Plus you're yeah. going to make a really cool space where I think all your neighbors are going to want to come <laughs> hang, which I think is also Hopefully. It's important. You can be the guy in the neighborhood, which is awesome, you know? So we do have uh, a team right. <laughs> of, of experts joining us on the podcast so they can answer any questions you have. So if there's any question at all that you might have, even about, you know, your home further down the road, it could be about equity. It could be more about the upgrades you should shouldn't do. If you have any question, uh, I would love to hear that so I can take it back to our experts. Okay. So I live alone and I've been talking, I have a, a partner and trying to figure out like if they moved in. And I know there's these things called, I think they're like home, I can't remember. There's like a home ownership agreement. It's basically like figuring out the terms of moving in with somebody who owns a home and they're not the existing homeowner. It's like equity and splitting the bills and that sort of thing too. Um, I'm trying to figure out like what's a good way to do that and like how to handle equity. Because like I'm working on the house right now. I paid for it. I'm putting a lot of money into fixing it. Um, So like if they moved in, there'd be a lot of equity mismatch from like the initial price that and the sale price so i'm just like trying to figure out how that potentially could work that's a really really great question all right i'm definitely taking that one uh back to the experts joe thank you so much i hope you have an amazing year in the house have fun doing all of your repairs and please uh we need the we need the tour once you're done absolutely follow me on twitter it's the best place to get tours I love how Joe tapped into his network to find referrals and get advice. He did a really great job of putting together a team that had his back. Ryan Sturhan joins me now to talk a little bit more about why these relationships matter and how to nurture them. All right, so Ryan, it's really good to have you back on season two of the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm happy to be here. I, 
I love being asked back, right? That means we did a great, great time the first time. Exactly. You did an excellent job. So we have a lot more questions for you this time around. And of course, since the last time you and I spoke, honestly, the housing market hasn't cooled down too much. And a lot of buyers, especially first time buyers, are feeling pressure to move very, very quickly if they see a home that they like. So I'm curious if you've seen any sort of big shift to buyers conducting a lot of the home buying process online, since there are so many tools available for that now. Um, I mean, I have seen a shift. Um, you know, the market the market has started to uh, I wouldn't say soften; it started to normalize. You know, what we saw in 2020 was an abrupt halt, a screeching halt as life came to a stop, and then everything became really, really crazy and overheated, and that led through last year, right? And now this year, people are going back to normal in part because a lot of people that needed to buy bought already. Um, and a lot of other people are now looking at really high prices or prices that have raised, uh, you know, in, in some places as much as 50 percent over, you know, the, the numbers that we were talking about in 2019. They're looking at double interest rates now compared to what they could have done a year ago. And buyers are saying, you know what, maybe I just take a second. But rents are incredibly high. So it's almost like, well, where are you going to go, you know? <laughs> Rent, rental numbers are very, very high. Um, so your monthly payment to own a home in the United States now is just has gotten higher than it was. Um, and so it's pushing some buyers to move faster and to get off the fence and pushing other buyers to say, you know what, I guess I'm just going to renovate my kitchen. I'll live. <laughs> I'll survive for now. Yeah. Uh, well, so those people that it's pushing to get off your fence, off the fence, because like you mentioned, you know, people looking at mortgage rates, if your monthly rate is lower than renting and you can afford the down payment, it might make sense to take that leap. And a lot of them are browsing. And some people are getting to the point where they might even try to put an offer on a house without even seeing it in person. And I think that's more appealing probably to younger buyers who are used to making those transactions online. But I'd love to go through some of the, the pros and cons uh, to this approach with you. First of all, are there any pros? To, to putting an offer on a, on a house without seeing it or going through that entire process without really having a face-to-face -face or a phone call with a broker? Yeah. I mean, the pros can be that you can move much faster than anybody else who's going to need to get in their car and drive to the house and set up the appointment uh, or get on an airplane and go and see it. If you are comfortable with the property, if you know the location, you know the area, and you understand the downside risks of potentially closing on something you haven't seen, um, then move forward as quickly as you possibly can. You know, the, 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 the pros can help you win deals if you're willing to move, you know, that quickly. Uh, and depending on your market and how offers are done, you know, most times there is a due diligence period where you can get your money back, right? You have either three-day, seven-day, 10-day due diligence periods, right? Escrow periods, where then, okay, now you want it. Now let's go and get a home inspection. Now let's go and take a look at it. Now let's go and see what it is, what it actually is like. And maybe the, the corner is too loud. I don't know. So how are you currently advising your, your clients? You know, so we're going to talk, of course, about some of the benefits of working uh, with a real estate agent. Um, as you mentioned, rates are, are climbing, you know, prices are dropping a little bit. How are you advising them to, to move forward? I'm advising everybody to move as quickly as you can. Still, I don't think rates go materially lower. I don't think we're going to see two and a half percent 30 year fix for a long time. Um, uh, I think that, you know, if you can get a great deal today, you're not buying the time, right? You're buying the home. Mm -hmm. You're going to live here for a long time. And if rates do go down, then great. Guess what? You can refinance. You know, it'll be amazing. 
right? Banks love refis. Go for it. <laughs> um, but you should not pass up a great home or the opportunity to to better your life, to get that extra bedroom, to get into that school district, to move, to have fun, to do a design project uh, because you're afraid of the future. You might buy the same house next year, but you're probably going to pay more per month to own it. So why wait? Why wait? All right. That's really, really good advice. And, uh, you know, this is good advice that you would get from working with a broker and not necessarily just figuring out everything yourself online. But if you are working with a broker and you're unhappy with that person, like what are the signs? How does a first time buyer know when it's really time to try someone new and not really keep pushing on with a relationship that's not making them happy? Consumers have the right to work with whoever they want. If you don't like your agent, do not work with them. Uh, I think you want somebody who's in your corner, who knows what to look for, who knows to tell you, I know you like this house. I know you think it's a good deal. I think you're going to grow out of it in a year. And I've seen this happen with lots of my clients. You're going to get stuck. So let's, let's, let's not buy this, right? You want to work with an agent who is going to be, uh, uh, you know, is going to have your back and is going to help you think about the things that you might not think about because this is not what you do all day. Great real estate agents sell houses every hour. They know what to look for. They know what the good deals are. And you want that type of person uh, there. So even if you do find what you feel like is right now the home of your dreams, things change, life changes. Um, tell me some of the benefits for you feel of uh, keeping in touch with your real estate agent past that per purchase. Yeah, I, I think it's the real estate agent's job to keep in touch with with you if you're a home buyer or a home seller, even a, even a, a loan officer. Right? It's, it's the real estate agent's job to keep in touch with everybody else. A huge part of my business is on our follow back process. Right, I believe in the three Fs. Follow up, follow through with what you say you're going to do, and then always follow back. You're touching base. So you want to stay in touch with your realtor to know, hey, just keep me posted on what the comps are. Like what's closed? You know, Send me an email every couple months. Touch base with me. Um, and a lot of great realtors become you know, great friends for people. Um, you know, and as you're buying a home, I'm telling you, if this is the first home you've ever bought, you're going to become addicted. It is a fun process. <laughs> it can be very stressful, but you kind of like, you like the adrenaline yeah. and your, your realtor is, you know, the person who's going to be there and help feed the addiction a little bit. And they might be the ones to also tell you, uh, Hey, so glad we kept in touch. I have a buyer who might be interested in buying your house. And I think the market's going to turn in a year. So if you're thinking about selling in the next year or two, this might be something you want to do. Can I show your home next Tuesday at five? You know, if you're keeping in touch with your realtor, they're going to keep in touch with your investment. Wow, that's incredibly helpful. And, um, you know, say there's someone who did go that route of purchasing and doing the entire process online without necessarily working with a broker, but maybe, you know, they're in the market for a new property or they're just keeping their options open. Is there a way for them to, you know, build a relationship with a broker without necessarily, you know, being actively ready to buy in the next few months? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have plenty of quote unquote clients who <laughs> have never bought or sold anything with me. Oh, great. Um, but, but one day they will. And my hope is that they'll <laughs> buy or sell through me. You know, I am I am a purveyor of information, you know, and I all I do is think about real estate. So I, I love talking to people who own homes or will one day buy one um, uh, because I know that that's my investment of my time into that future client. All right. So, um, Ryan, we do have a question from one of our homeowners who's going to be featured on this season of, of the podcast. Um, awesome. So, you know, because prices have been so high, people have been really creative about finding new ways into home ownership. You know, for example, some people 
obviously purchasing with with friends even or maybe they already own a home and they want to add a future spouse. So this question yep. is about home ownership agreements. And this is from Joe Carlson. So his question, what's the best way to figure out the terms of adding someone to the home's title and then sorting out the equity mismatch later? Wow. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I will be honest. I've never done that before. Um, there are companies that can help you do it, um, but I would always consult an attorney, right? If you are going to co-own a home, and co-own an investment um, uh, with any other individual, um, that is something that you're going to want to discuss with an attorney to make sure that your rights are protected, right? And is this, and then I would also ask, is this an investment? Is this a rental property? You know, is this a vacation home, a second home, in which case you want to use it, but you're not going to use it all the time. So it makes sense for you to buy it with somebody else, you know, because it's, it's not about the purchasing, right? It's about what happens after that. So, you know, if you are co-purchasing with somebody or co-owning, what if they then decide, oh, they're moving to South America, they don't need this, they're going to sell it. Are you okay with them selling that portion to anybody? Do you want to say in it? Do you want to have uh, the right of first refusal to buy back that percentage? You know, all of that stuff has to be figured out, you know, um, uh, but that, that would be my advice to always consult an attorney and uh, do your research. All right. Thank you. That's really good advice and some great insight. We'll take that back to Joe. And so we have another, it's a bit of a standalone segment. So you touched on some of this already, but just for the sake of this segment. Okay. So um, Ryan, another question for you when it comes to money matters, how can having a strong relationship with an agent benefit you financially during the buying process? A strong real estate agent is going to save you money during the buying process because Unless you are also a real estate agent who's bought and sold many properties uh, or has helped clients do it, I promise you, you do not know everything that you need to know when spending hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Um, a great realtor will negotiate a great deal for you and will be able to tell you what's standard and what's not standard. They'll be able to tell you, hey, here's what I think we can get. Right? They're going to have the information. They're going to say, hey, here's, here's a trend that's happening right now in this market. Everybody is getting X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to make sure I get that for you too. Because the agent wants to be your best friend. They want you to think about them and refer them for the rest of your life. You know, As you have your housewarming party, the agent wants to be there with cake and meet <laughs> all your friends who wish they had their own houses. That's how the real estate agent builds their career and builds their entire business. Um, so in the buying process, the agent is there to help you get the home you want negotiate the best deal and, and to save you money and to protect you. Um, and an attorney is also there to protect you as well. So I always tell people to make sure you review a contract with an attorney, um, uh, make sure you know what you're getting into, make sure you understand all the upside and all the downside, right? I think that's what we learned from 2008 with the subprime mortgage collapse. You know, don't sign anything that you're not fully aware of. Always read the, the, the thin print um, uh, and work with professionals. Like there's a reason they're called professionals. They know what they're doing. Absolutely. As you mentioned, you know, an agent is really helpful when it comes to negotiation, which is a very intimidating step in the buying process. So I'm curious when it comes to making the offer, which is really that first huge step you're taking forward, how much input do you usually give your buyer? I know some agents will give some advice, but really try to defer. Do you usually, you know, come up with a number that you think makes sense for them? Or do you try to leave that to the buyer? Oh no, we never leave it to the buyer. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh yeah. No, you, 
you know, my job is to work with a client and give them as much information and educate them as best I possibly can on where I think this trades and then lead them to the best starting price. Now, listen, there are properties where we sell where I know that it's underpriced and it's going to sell at the ask or over. And I know that if I know that, other people know that. So we should start above if you want this. Um, or we should start at least at the asking price and push uh, for acceptance. I work with clients all the time where they see things that they like, and I know that they've been on the market for a while. So we have a lot more flexibility, right? We can ask for contingencies. We can offer 10% off. We can ask for closing delays. There's a lot you can do. Um, and with a lot of people today who are potentially saving up money, you know, oftentimes you can do a rent with an option to purchase, right? Or you can do a delayed contract with an occupancy agreement. Um, uh, there's, there's lots of ways to, so to speak, skin the cat um, uh, when, when purchasing or when moving. Now, when there's no inventory and it's the only house that's come on the market in the entire week, unfortunately, you're not going to have those options. Um, but then I would tell you, why are you looking just in that neighborhood? There's other neighborhoods, there's other places, there's other markets. And don't fall in love with any one particular property, right? That's just going to set you up for, for heartbreak and disappointment, right? You should, you should like what you're buying. And you should understand the investment potential. Taking on a fixer-upper obviously is not a cheap in endeavor, but at this point, you know, if a buyer is looking... They're not finding too much inventory. At which point should you be flexible with taking on some renovations, but also being mindful of your budget? And again, it all comes down to the deal, right? If you're looking at a house that's a million dollars or a house that's 800,000 um, and they're about the same, but the $800,000 house could look like a million dollar, $1.2 million house with $150,000 worth of work. And you're willing to spend the cash and put in the time and the effort and the headache to do that work then maybe that's the better deal, to be honest. Um, but if you don't have that time and you're really busy at work and you just had your 17th kid, then maybe <laughs> it makes more sense just to buy the house that's fully finished. You can just move in and put that dining table together and then just be done. Um, it, really, it really depends. I am a big believer in value add. Every property I've ever bought, I've done work to. Um, because doing renovations and doing work is a total pain. Um, and it's not for everybody, which means that fully finished product uh, is for almost everybody, right? People don't know what they want until you show it to them. So once you fix up your property and you want to sell it or you want to rent it out, you know that potential purchaser or tenant is going to walk in and say, oh, this looks great. Um, just make sure you do it the right way, right? Make sure you do it the right way. Don't be penny wise and pound foolish when it comes to renovations. You have no idea how many properties I've walked through where the seller tells me that their home is so beautiful and worth so much money, um, and they did so much work. And then I walked through and I'm like, so where's the work? Like, oh, well, we, we, we redid half the kitchen four years ago. I'm like, well, what about the other half? Oh, we didn't think it was necessary. I'm like, yeah, but now you've got white oak cabinetry on the right side and you've got like maple cabinetry on the left side and you've got new appliances here, but then these drawers are creaky here. This whole kitchen now needs to be got renovated. And how come you didn't, didn't touch the bathrooms? Like, oh, well, the bathrooms are fine, but they're, they're totally fine. They're, they're like new. I'm like, they're, that's not the same. <laughs> so, you know, if you're going to do it, actually do it. You know, don't, don't, don't not do it. Great advice. Ryan, thank you so much. As I mentioned, great to have you back. You always have incredible insight for thank us. You so, for having you, me. of course, hopefully you'll be back for season three. Awesome. 
Whether you're going through the home buying process online or you're doing it in a more traditional way, I think it's really clear from our homeowner Joe's experience and from Ryan Serhant's advice that building relationships can benefit you in multiple ways. So join me next time as we take a deep dive into all the financial considerations surrounding home buying and home ownership. Until then, you can learn more by visiting beginnertobuyer.com. And of course, you can always check out season one as well. Beginner to Buyer was created by Magnet Media and Chase Home Lending. Our executive producers are Ashley Bobo and Akash Baswani. Our lead producer is Pamela Lawrence and our media editor is Matthew DiPietro. This podcast is for educational purposes only and provides general home lending information. It is not intended to provide legal, tax, or financial advice or to indicate the availability or suitability of any J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., product, or service. Chase is also not responsible for and does not provide or endorse third-party products, services, or other content discussed in this podcast. For specific home lending advice about your circumstances, contact a Chase Home Lending Advisor for more information. If you'd like to check out the Home Buyer Assistance Finder, Chase My Home, the DreamMaker Mortgage, and other home buying tools and resources mentioned in this podcast, make sure to visit chase.com forward slash affordable.